Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Ken Levine, your podcast host. Not many people take pride in being a pig, but Bob Bergen does. And that's because he's Porky Pig, or at least the voice of Porky Pig, along with Tweety Bird and dozens of other cartoon characters. The world of animation voiceover actors is a fascinating one. And today you are going to meet one of the best. Bob Bergen is my guest. This week on Hollywood and the podcast. Okay, so the first question I have for you is, do you get tired of people saying, hey, do Porky Pig, hey, hey do your voices? Well, you know? uh, I don't get tired of it, but I'll t- I was at my cousin Gene's funeral. <laughs> and I and I and I forgot rest to, in papi 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 yeah and I, and I forgot to turn my phone off. Well, first of all, my my, my ringtone is Porky saying if a phone call, if they pick up the phone. Um, and my mom is looking at me. My buddy Bill Holmes and Bill, if, you, if you're listening to this, you know the story. Uh, fellow voiceover actor. Um, when he has friends visit from from Chicago, or he goes to Chicago to visit family and friends, he'll just call me up. Hey, buddy, can I talk to the pig? And I was like, I was like, I can't. I can't what? <laughs> At a funeral. Oh, man, my buddy's just looking. Just one real quick, that's all, folks. <laughs> that's all, folks. A little louder, man. And the rabbi's in the back doing things. And I, I, my mom is giving me this look like, you're not going you're, you're, to. No, no I'm, not, I'm not forgiving this one. But I think Cousin Gene would have, would have, would have laughed at it. Yeah, I know. When I was uh, doing baseball, mm-hmm. people would come up to me and they would go, uh, so, so do, do some baseball announcing. Do some baseball yeah. announcing. And I would go, low, ball two. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and when people say, you know, can I hear a little porky? I'm usually like, well, what do you want me to say? You know, and right. sometimes I you know, will say my name because, you know, that's all, folks, gets old. Right. So you want right. to say, you know, uh, under 17 and you're not a minute without parent. You know, something a little bit more different. <laughs> so you grew up originally in St. Louis. I did. And you wanted to do this from the time you were little. Yeah, which is odd. You know, I mean, you, well, baseball was your thing. So yeah, I wanted to do that when I was eight. But, you know, eight, you know, you're already an established adult. You were like, what, five? Yeah, yeah. You know? And I, saw, I said to my mom, I want to be Porky Pig. And she said, you can't be Porky Pig. You're Jewish. Which I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're the kind of Jews with a, with a, with a menorah next to a Christmas tree. Uh-huh. Okay. Delicatessen Jews. Exactly. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little BLT on the side. Don't tell anybody. 
Right. Um, and I just knew that the, I, I, I liked the character. I could do the stutter. Um, my voice hadn't changed. I thought I sounded better than I did because, you know, in your head you sound great. Right. And when I was 14, my dad said, we're moving to L.A. Okay, he took a job here. I was like, don't tease me because that's where cartoons are done. Uh-huh. And we moved to L.A. and I just, you know, the, they had phone books back then. People listening right now, it was, it was an actual book with numbers. Um, and I just started calling everything that said cartoons in the yellow pages and, and called Mel Blanc, who was in the white pages. Wow. So <laughs> you just picked up the phone. You, you called Mel Blanc. How old were you? I was 14. At the time, you were 14. I was 14. 14. Yeah. Okay. And basically, you said, what, I'd like to meet you. Well, okay. I'd well, like to look, be you. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of. I didn't know. I said, well, what happened was I, I, looked at, I looked in the phone book in Tarzana, California, and Mel uh-huh. Blanc wasn't in there. And my dad says, you know, L.A. is bigger than Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> it, there's a lot of different white page phone books. So my dad traveled from like Pasadena to Malibu and just – I had a stack of white page phone books and I called every Mel or M blank in the book and I couldn't find it. And then I thought, well, maybe it's under his wife's name, Estelle, which I knew because I stalked the man on TV. Right. And I found E. Blank in the Pacific Palisades. Called him. It was his number. Uh-huh. And I got him on the phone. I, I taped the conversation, which is 100% illegal. You're not supposed sure. to do that. Sure. But it's been 40-plus years now. Uh-huh. And during the course of the conversation, and I just, you know, I wanted to get, I want to do what you do. Do you need an agent? How do you get into the business? And... During the course of the conversation, he mentioned the name of the studio he was working at that week. He didn't say the time or the day, just the name. So when I was finished with him, I called that studio pretending to be his assistant. And I said, hi, I'm calling to confirm uh, Mel Blanc's appointment for Thursday at 9. And they said, well, we've got him on the calendar for Wednesday at 11. I went, that's right. I'm looking at the wrong day. I'm sorry. So when my mom came home. You're 14 and you're doing this. Yeah. Uh yeah, Okay. Uh, I said to my mom, I'm skipping school on Wednesday and you're going to take me to Mel Blanc's going to be here. And she said, cool. So... We got to the studio, and I said to the receptionist, hi, we're guests of Mel Blanc. And she said, oh, he's in that, that, that studio over there, and points to a, a <laughs> Studio 7 or whatever. And I go in there, and I said to his producer, hi, we're really good friends with the receptionist. And she said, we can come in and watch. <laughs> and we, I just watched him work. And it was, you know, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you can go back in time, and you're looking at Babe Ruth. I was looking yeah. at my Babe Ruth. You yeah. Know? It was just Amazing. I got to sit in the booth one day with Vin Scully when there he, I was oh, 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you did you talk to him? Did you like become friends with him? Mm, I talked to him. Um, the first voice he did when we walked in was Tweety, and okay. it wasn't very good. And he's smoking, and his voice he's coughing. Right. And I thought, oh, he lost it. And they played it back, and it was perfect. And I said to the producer, "What did you guys do in the playback to make it sound like Tweety?" And she said, "We sped his voice up." I said, "When did you guys start speeding up his characters?" And she said, "1936, when he started working at Warner Brothers. Most of his characters were sped up electronically." Wow. And I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and when I went to meet him after the session, I wanted to sound like I'm kind of in the know. Uh-huh. So I wanted to talk about the speeding of the voice. And what came out of my mouth was, you're, well, you're not as good as I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, he, and he gives me this look and my mom's <laughs> kicking me. I said, no, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't mean that. What I meant to say was I didn't realize that to do a lot of your characters, well, you need help. No, I didn't mean help either. And he signs an autograph and hands it to me and says, quit while you're behind, kid. And I didn't meet him again until about, I guess, oh, about a month or two before he died. He mm. wrote an autobiography and I went to a book signing. Oh, wow. Growing up, what cartoons influenced you the most? Certainly the Warner Brothers cartoons. Sure. I was a huge black and white Fleischer Popeye Oh, me too. The, the best. The best. Um, How come you're not doing Popeye voices? I can do Popeye. Can you do you the know? gravelly Popeye, though? 
<clears throat> the one that hurts. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved Speed Racer as a kid. I loved okay. Bullwinkle. Sure. Um, I, you know, I Scooby Doo. It was there, but it wasn't my favorite. Uh-huh. I love the older Hanna Barbera, the, the Yogi and the Huckleberry Hound. Right. And, uh, and but Dawes Butler did. Dawes, and I studied with Dawes. Uh-huh. I studied with Dawes off and on for ten years. So how do you study? I mean, how does somebody teach you how to be uh, a voice actor for cartoons? My sense is it's not teaching you funny voices, but it's probably more acting lessons than anything else, right? Correct. I studied voiceover forever with everybody. Um, I teach animation voiceover. Dawes was the first teacher who ever used the A word, which is acting. Okay. It, By the way, plug your... Go ahead. You, you can plug your... I can plug mine? Yeah, go ahead, plug it. I, I, yeah. I, I sent you a note that I got students because of Mark Evanier on your show, so <laughs> right, thank you. Right, So, yeah, um, feel well, free to my, plug my, it. Well, my LA class has a four-year waiting list. I'm not going to plug that. Oh, okay. But I'm doing a, I'm doing a cruise in January. Uh, it's a voiceover cruise. Uh, I think it's January 5th with Mary Lynn Wisner, who's a uh, commercial casting director. So okay. it's going to be commercial uh, animation and marketing. And if we got, I think, eight, nine... Spots available. So, um, where do you go uh, uh, to find out about it? Or no, where does the cruise go? Oh, it's go? just the California Coastal Cruise. Oh, it's okay, go to, like the Mexico. Okay, or but I'm know, not getting off the Laos, road. Cambodia. That's and, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> doing funny voices in Cambodia. Um, but my website, BobBergen.com, on the homepage, you can get information on that. But it's for okay, actors. Great. It's not a fan cruise. It's for right. actors. Right. Um, but how do you teach? Uh, well, for my class, you got to be an actor first. You know, I always tell people: study acting, study improv, get technique. And then we're going to go to the mic and you get a picture of a character and you get the words and the description and you put all that together. Uh, what I tell my students is there's three things that make up a character, the voice, the acting, and a signature. A signature is something interesting that makes the character stand out. Oftentimes you look at the, the facial expression of the cartoon, the picture, and if, you, if the character's got a wrinkled nose, if you wrinkle your nose, it's going to make it nasal. And it says that the character's from the South, so he had a little Southern accent. And the character's adult swim, so he's smoking a cigarette. So get maybe get up 20 years of smoking right here. You know, at that. So it's all just layer upon layer upon layer. Then you got to stay in character. And when you do uh, episodic cartoons, you're hired for scale to do at least two voices. So you might have a two-way conversation with yourself. So physically playing the character, the voice will follow. If you change your body with the character, with the voice, you won't blend voices. My record was seven. I had a seven-way conversation with myself one time years ago. <laughs> and that was, uh, that's when I discovered margaritas after the, uh, after the seven. Now, do you have a certain number of characters? And I know you can you know, put some ornamentation sure. on them. But um, do you do multiple characters using the same voice in yeah. you know different projects absolutely but it's like okay here's my my southern guy yeah uh here's my teenage girl mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of thing you where you're like okay i'll i'll give him voice nine you know if it's uh the holidays i'm probably gonna play an elf hey santa <laughs> look what's on sale at macy's you know in a, in a couple of months he's gonna become a leprechaun because it's going to be St. Patrick's Day. So you take the same voice, but you just shift it for what right. they're looking for. I did a movie called The Emperor's New Groove for Disney where I played a squirrel. Okay. Who just did jibber-jabber. Mm-hmm. I did the Santa Claus. That was you? That was me. Oh, yeah. I loved you. Yeah, I loved you. you in that. Well, God yeah. bless you. Thank you. Uh-huh. It was you. I did the Santa Claus movies where I played Comet the Reindeer, which was almost the same voice but more guttural. So instead of... Oh, 
little thing he was so it's kind of the same sort of sound right but you adjust it based on what they're looking for for this character do you get a lot of directing notes sure i uh-huh. love direction I, you know, I, I'm an actor who absolutely craves direction. And in today's voiceover world, we're working out of home studios, so oftentimes we're by ourselves. Uh-huh. But yeah, we, and, and in animation, especially television, uh, Colette Sunderman, Christy Reed, Charlie Adler, we have some of the best actor directors in, in all of acting because they, they know how to communicate. We're just working with our voice, you know? You've right. got to bring this to life with just your voice. Right. No, but they're going, you know, could Porky be a, a bit more reflective here? Um, could he be uh, yeah. a, a little more uh, insouciant on this line, on this phrase? What's insouciant? Come again? Yeah, and that, exactly. A little bit, a little bit more, um, well, you know, depending on the show, because they, they, they adjust the characters based on what the producers are looking for. Right. But what I love about, you know, 20 something years doing this character is that they, they allow me to, I'll do a line, hey, can I do one for me? Because I, I won't think it's a little real porky esque the way they want it. Right. And what they keep is up to them. Right. But they're very uh, respectful for, you know, let me just try it this way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, the man knows his pig, you know. The man knows his pig, yeah. <laughs> I've also felt that. In a way, if you just kind of close your eyes and listen to the voices, mm-hmm. that it's almost musical. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think most people who do voiceover, especially animation, they, there are two things you cannot teach. You cannot teach timing and pitch. Right. You know, timing you got or you ain't. Right. And you either got pitch or you ain't. Mm-hmm. And acting, I don't think, can be taught. I don't think right. I don't think anything... I don't think you can teach can writing. I don't think you can teach somebody how to be funny. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But you still have to be a writer. You may, writing, may, you may get technique classes, structure. Right. You can learn story. Exactly. You can learn structure. Character. you can't, you can't teach learn funny. how to be funny. I agree you with that. You either have that sense mm-hmm. or you don't. I agree with that, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Mark talked about this on your show, but when he does Garfield... He allows for overlap because in, in, in conversation, if you're really listening, you're going to interject when it feels normal or, or organic. Um, in most episodic cartoons, you can't overlap because there's no way for them to edit. So there has to be that millisecond of quiet between lines. And as, a, as an actor, interesting, you, yeah. you, your timing is a little bit off because you just it, it feels awkward to hold. But and Mark knows that. And if you listen to the old Bullwinkle cartoons, they didn't. Hold, they're they're radio people. Mm-hmm. They didn't hold for editing. And if it didn't work, they would go back and do it again after they rewrote. Right. Now I got a chance to do one animated voice. Yeah. And that was in an episode of The Simpsons. Oh, very cool. Did you David get Simpsons Isaac kind of money? What? Did you get Simpsons kind of money? Um, uh, you know, I'm still getting literally one cent. Residual checks. Gotta love them. Yeah. There you go. One cent residual checks. But we recorded it all at the same time. Oh, you the did? The whole cast oh, that's cool. stood around, um, you know, music stands mm-hmm. and recorded it. But oftentimes you record separately, mm-hmm. which has to be so strange because, again, you're talking about acting. Yeah. And so much of acting is relating to the other person. Yeah. It's got to be tough when you're just alone in a room trying to 
have a scene with somebody. Yeah, uh, Emperor's New Groove. All of my scenes were with Patrick Warburton. Okay. The man and I have never been in a studio together. <laughs> have you ever met? Yeah, we met yeah. at the Annie Awards a few oh, years okay. ago. I was presenting, and he was hosting, and I said, <laughs> I, I played Bucky in, in, in the movie. And he, he goes, I, I thought Bucky was a sound effect. And I said, I'm out of credits. It's alphabetical. Look for, look for B. Um, I did uh, the Looney Tunes show, not the current one that we're doing, but previous one, where uh, I did quite a bit of Porky all by myself because Jeff Bergman, who was doing Bugs and Daffy, was flying back and forth from, I think, Philly. And, you know, some days he wasn't available. So I, I would do A, B, and C for each line. And the editor would figure out how it would work together when he did his, which you would think would be a nightmare right. to edit. Right. I much prefer the other cast members with me. Yeah. No. It was it was really fun because we were all there together. From what I understand, they don't always do it that way. You know, from what I hear, they'll try to at least have a table reading mm-hmm. together. Right. Or have somebody there on Skype. How they record it now, I don't know. This was very early on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure this is something that you're completely used to. But for me, it was so bizarre when the show aired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you record it and then you a go away later. for yeah. a year. Yeah. And then you see it mm-hmm. on television. And to hear my voice coming out of a cartoon character's mouth mm-hmm. was really strange. Do you feel that, or do you just... It's second nature to you now, and you're going, uh, I should have uh, slowed down a little bit more with that. For me, it's the latter. I, 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 I don't watch 80% of my work. I, I was going to say, do you enjoy not watching really, yourself? No, no for, to me, the, the, the joy is in the doing, not the viewing. Uh-huh. You know, Especially the animated features that you do, like any movie, out of sync, out of order. Right. And you know, I might work a day, and then six months later come back for two days, and... I don't even know the whole script. They only give me my, my, my sides when I'm working on a feature. Uh, in, a, in an episodic show, I don't know which take they're going to print so, uh-huh. or what they're going to have to cut for time. And so I'll watch it and I'll go, they, just, they, they cut the best joke. <laughs> they, I, wait, wait, I had the punchline there. It's just hanging. <laughs> What's going on? So I get real critical and I also want to do it one more time. But like you said, you can't do it one more time. You did it a year ago. Right. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of I'm, I'm just too... Picky. You ever channel surfing and all of a sudden you see something and and you hear your voice and you go, is that me? Did I did I do this? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Or I'll go to a, like a Comic-Con and uh-huh. people say... Um, or I was on Mark Evanier's panel one year and I was sitting between Fred Tattashore and Misty Lee and we had a pact that we when they were talking to this one, this one was on the IMDb surfing. Like, you know... <laughs> can you tell us about uh, the Skylander 8 game you did? You played, you played the Wizard Forest. I played the Wizard Forest. Yes, I mean that, that's what we were doing. Uh-huh. Because I don't remember, uh-huh. and especially games. You just don't remember what you've done. But yeah, I've channel surfed and landed on stuff. Going, oh my god, I did do that, didn't I? I did a movie called American Ninja Three, where I revoiced the third lead in the enti- entire film. You were American Ninja Three, exactly. Yes. Very good. You're <laughs> you're a comedy writer, and um, he was a good-looking blonde kid. But he's from Malibu, you know? Mm-hmm. And he had a surfer voice. He goes, I got one of those ninjas. And they wanted him to sound all American. So I dubbed his whole part. And I, they invited me to the premiere, and I sat next to him. Oh. Just by chance. Oh, oh. And he looks at me. He goes, dude, it's my first movie. Movies make you sound so different. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you mentioned doing video games. 
And it seems to me because there are so many choices that, you know, the the player has. Is that really tedious doing video games? Yes. Oh, I would imagine it would just be a nightmare. It is for for two reasons. That, the, the options of the player... And you have to deliver each line as if the player's never done it, because as far as they're concerned, they haven't. Right. You know? Right. And, you know, it's a four-hour session. Right. And you got, I, I did uh, a lot of the Star Wars games as Luke Skywalker. Oh, And I would wow. be like, um, uh, no, I don't know, R2. Maybe we should go left. No, I don't know, R2. Maybe we should go right. No, I don't know, R2. Maybe we should stay here. And after a while, you don't give a damn about R2 or, right. where, or where you are. <laughs> and then the, the other difficult part is all the screaming. Because oh, sure. they may shoot yeah. you in the shoulder, ah! and they shoot you in the gut, oh! you know, and they shoot you in the shoulder and the gut, it, oh! you know, and <laughs> it's it's tiring, it's throaty. Um, I don't do a lot of games because I don't want to risk losing my voice for a scale session, knowing that I've got to do a commercial the next day and and have full right. voice. I know Vince Scully was telling me that for a couple of years he did like the Sony PlayStation baseball mm-hmm. game or whatever. And he's at, after a couple of years, it's like, uh, never again. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, oh my I, God. You can also get to the, like, you know what? You, you name the price you know they're not going to take. Right. And they may take it. If it's Vince right. Scully, they'll probably take it. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, but, but games and anime, those are the, those are the best fans on the planet. They know every every game, every option. I've never played a game in my life. Uh-huh. I've never played a game. I Pong. I was really good at Pong. <laughs> and, and break out. Oh, I did the voice. That's right. Pong. God yeah, bless you. Yeah, that's me. You, yeah. were, you were amazing. Miss <laughs> um, Pac-Man. Loved Miss Pac-Man. But boy, it, it I, just, I just, I'm not a gamer. Yeah. And you can't tell your fans you're not a gamer because they're fans of your games. Sure. So you have to have respect for them. And pray that they ask you a question about one of the games you kind of sort of remember a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be very interesting. Um, what happens when you get a cold? Uh, you, it depends. Um, if, I, if I have a session, I will call my agent and say, let them know I've got a cold. Happy to come in and try it. With a cartoon, especially episodic cartoon TV, um, they can have us go back and do ADR and redo the whole thing. So they just got to start because we record the voices first. So they just got to get the animation going. Yeah, but would they pay you again for another session? Well, we, or... have, AD, we have ADR on almost every show. Oh, okay. I'm going in next Tuesday to, to do two Looney Tune ADR scripts. Gotcha. To sweeten it. Maybe the joke fell flat. Maybe standards and practices said we can't say that. Uh-huh. So they have to match the flaps and find the joke. Right. So, so every once in a while, I was, um, I was very sick of when, when the show we're ending right now, the first month... I had this horrible cough that wouldn't go away, and one of the PAs did all of the Porky lines that I had to go in an ADR, and I, I don't remember who it was, but he was terrible. <laughs> and he was pretty much da 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 daffy where 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 he was more like Jimmy Jimmy Store, right. and I, I'm like Porky doesn't stutter that much, so I had to <laughs> find places to put it in just to, just to match the flaps, right. <laughs> so, you, so I'll, I'll tell the agents, you know, I've got a cold. Here's what's going on. What do you do to prevent getting a cold? Um, it well, like for instance, Comic Con's coming up. Mm-hmm. You shake a hand, you use Purell. You shake a hand, you use Purell. It's just it's a constant. I stay away from anybody with a cold. Um, you know, sometimes people are nice enough to, before they hug you. They say, "Don't come near me. I got a cold. Thank you." Right. Um, I'm washing my hands constantly. Um, 
I can I can work feeling like crap. I can't work sounding like crap. Right. So fortunately, you know, I haven't had anything in a while. Knock wood. Mm-hmm. But it, it's the hazard of our industry. You just try to stay away from the sick. And usually, when when you hear, oh yeah, uh, D Baker's got a really bad cold. Uh, Jennifer Hale's cough. Everybody's going to get it. We're all going to oh. be. We're all going to be at that yeah. studio. We're all going to be sharing those mics or those headphones. So it just kind of travels around with us. When I was a disc jockey. Uh, I had my own headphones mm-hmm. for that reason. There you go. And I also had a can of Lysol, and I would spray yeah. the microphone with Lysol yeah. before doing my shift. Everyone thought, no, it was a hypochondriac, but... Who uh, cares? Yeah. Be a hypochondriac yeah. and stay healthy. Exactly. Exactly. You've worked at Pixar. Well, Disney, but, you know, they would... Uh, right. Yeah. Is yeah. there a difference? Is there something magical or higher standards or anything different about working at Pixar? Yeah. Um, it's Pete Docter. It's Leon Gridge. It's John Lasseter, bless his heart. Um, you know, it's so funny because every time I would drive to Disney to do a new Pixar film, I would drive on the lot saying to myself, okay, it, they can't do it again. You just got to just, <laughs> just don't have the expectations. It's not going to be as good as Bugs Life. And it is. Um, I, they're, they're, okay. Okay. I heard this from Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones said they never made a Warner Brothers cartoon for the audience. They weren't made for children. They were made for adults. Sure. But they never made it for the audience. They made it for themselves. I think Pixar does the exact same thing. They make movies they want to see. And I guess from day one, from Toy Story, they didn't have people looking over their shoulders saying, you can't say it that way. You can't do it that way. And they just make it's, – it's all in the writing. It's all – it's storytelling. And they just do it amazing over and over and over again. They, you know, we, we'll have the script up there. We'll we'll give them what they want, and they'll say to us, "Now let's hear what you have to do. Ad lib, bring bring something else to the scene." Oh, that that you know brings up another question. I was just about to ask yeah. you. Do you ever have the opportunity to come in on the script? Do you ever say, you know, uh, it might be funnier if the joke were structured this way or if this word was at the end uh, or doesn't this make Porky seem brain dead just to say this? So, uh, first of all, my best friend is the writer. Um, Without those words, I got nothing. Okay. But um, because I know, especially Looney Tunes, I know this character so darn well. Um, Like I said earlier, I will say to them, let me do one for me. I'll give you this happened last week. Um, I was doing our new show. Uh, uh, Eric Bowser is doing Daffy and I'm doing Porky and they wanted us to say something in unison. Well, Porky can't stutter if we say something in unison because <laughs> you, you lose it. Right. So if the word is, if they want us to say what in unison, and I had to teach Eric this, this is his first time doing Daffy. I said, let me stutter the W's and then we'll say what together. So it's, it will be a what? So, and I had to actually teach the director that because he'd never directed Looney Tunes before. Uh-huh. I said, so anytime Porky talks in unison with a character, give me a moment to stutter before the unison just so you know if that's the character I'm doing. And they were lovely. They were very, I've never had a director or a writer go, well, that's not what we're doing. I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. Uh-huh. They, were, they respect the character and they respect that I know the integrity of the character. Right. So yeah, it's collaborative. It's very collaborative. One thing that I've noticed over the years is that a lot of celebrities, a lot of TV and movie stars, mm-hmm. are getting these roles mm-hmm. 
in movies and in you know late night uh, and prime time yeah. TV shows. This has got to be tough for you guys because these are all jobs that ten years ago you guys would have gotten, and now they're going to John Ham. Well, so here's the deal: it's kind of not true. Since day one, the first animated feature was Snow White, and with the exception of Snow White, everybody in that film were character actors from radio. They were all celebrities. They didn't give them screen credit back then. But, you know, radio was as right. big as TV today. Right. And they only did a feature every five to seven years. Cut to today. Paramount, Universal, Sony, Fox, they all have a thriving animation department. And animated features make a ton of money. So it seems like there's more celebrities doing it. But they're, they've always used celebrities for the leads. And if you look at the end of the credits, you'll see a lump of names that says additional voices. That's me and my friends. Those of us who can, in one scene, play 12 characters. And we made an agreement with SAG, before it was SAG-AFTRA, to keep our names on the screen credits because the, 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 it would roll. The scroll would go hours if they gave us credit for every little thing we did. Yes. Just call us additional voices. Keep us on the residual pool because that's where, you know, we make our real money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to check your ego at the door. I would love to play Buzz Lightyear in a Toy Story picture. I'm cool playing a Green Army man, you know? Mm-hmm. I would, you know... That, but that, that's ego talking, you know? Right. Uh, I, but, you know, like space, uh, space Jam, I did Porky, Tweety, Marvin the Martian, Speedy Gonzalez, um, wasn't invited to the premiere <laughs> because they told my agent premieres are only for talent. <laughs> but they did invite, of course, Bill Murray. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, uh, of course, Michael Jordan. But sure. you know, those of us who aren't known, you know, we did eventually get in. I went with Dee Baker, who was Daffy in that. And we were excited. It was my first movie premiere. And they looked at our little tickets and they said, you guys are in the overflow theater down the street. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. Gives you some sense exactly. of puts the it, puts importance it in perspective. Of, yeah, of yeah, Hollywood. That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's great. So, again, talking about ego, yeah. you must audition for a lot of things. Every day. How many do you get versus... How many do you not get, realistically? Uh, realistically, probably 10% maybe. That you get. That I get. Which is a lot. Well, I audition a lot. But here's right. the deal. I, I audition, and I'm done. And if I get a call from my agent, you booked so-and-so. Good. I go back in my files and, and have to remind myself, because once I'm done, I'm done. Right. And sometimes, you know, you get a, you submit it at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you, you find out at 10.30 you got it. And sometimes... You audition in January, and you, you booked it in in, in May. Um, I just I'm doing this new Looney Tunes show right now. We're finishing up one, starting up another one for the new one. They made me audition. <laughs> it's my fifth time to have to re-audition for Porky. Uh huh. So you know, the past- have there been times when other people have done Porky, and then you listen and you go, "That's not Porky." What? What? Well, what? a couple of times. First of all, I think the Six Flags Parks might be non-union. Because okay. I went there and I heard a really porky. Uh-huh. Um, there have been times where, you know, I ask for this much money and they've got backups. They must have backups. Um, not many. I think I've done, I asked once, how, how, what's my percentage, my, my, my PP percentage? Right. Um, they said about 98, 99% for 28 years. Hmm. Um, but certainly, uh, before he passed away, Joe Alassie did it, I think, a couple of times. Uh, I think Greg Burson, before he passed away, did it a couple of times. Uh, sometimes they prefer this actor over this actor. 
Eric Bowser's doing Daffy right now for the first time. It had been D. Baker. Before that, it was Joe. So, look, the bottom line is these characters are going to live on. I mean, Jim Henson's no longer with us, but Kermit is. Right. So that, so you do have to check your ego at the door. If, if I was arrogant enough to think nobody can touch my pig, well, that's foolish. I mean, this last time I had an audition for the, for the character... Every time I have an audition for the character, I know I'm going to do well. I know I can take those words and do things that nobody else can do. But if somebody's better, they deserve it. And that, that's my philosophy. Yeah. A friend of mine, sadly, he, he passed away, voiceover actor Lee Marshall, did the voice of Tony the Tiger. Mm-hmm. And I used to kid him. I used to say, you know, I want to be your backup. Mm-hmm. No kidding. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. <laughs> me doing Tony the that's great. Right. I mean, you know, forget it. And right. He had this unbelievable, sure. thundering voice. Yeah, and I was like, well, I can do that. I can well, do when, when my voice changes, I might have. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so if somebody wants to break in, mm-hmm. it's got to be incredibly tough, and I would assume you have to be very, very patient. Um, you've got to be patient, but you have to want it more than anybody else, and be willing to do more than everybody else. You know, when I got into the business, there was no internet. So now you've got YouTube. You can watch video sessions of, of, of uh, Seth MacFarlane recording Family Guy. Um, y- you can reach people on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and Facebook, producers, writers, directors, actors. Uh, there's more product today than ever before in animation. When I started out, three networks doing Saturday morning and the occasional feature, and we now have 24-7 cartoon networks. So there's more work today than ever before, but there's more competition than ever before. The cream floats to the top. You know that. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a writer, you know, you, I'm sure, sure kids are saying, would you read my script? And you're like, this ain't going to cut it. Right. Why? Because you know why. Because it's not great. But everybody wants to work with the next brilliant. And it happens. I, you know, I, this guy named Max Middleman came to my class a few years ago. Yeah, I think he was finishing up at USC. And uh, Brilliant. Just like the it factor at the mic from the first right. time. You right. just know. You it. just know mm-hmm. that there's something there. It's yeah. going to be a matter of just time. Yeah. Well, I keep waiting for Crusader Rabbit to come back. Oh, there you I, go. I know. There I you could go. nail Crusader Rabbit. That was Lucille Bliss. Yeah. And I studied with Lucille too. Yeah. She was a she was a character. Yeah. I mean, that must be great for you to have known and studied and worked with greats like. Like June Foray, yeah. who just passed away at what 123 years close something. to it. Yeah, Mark yeah. and I, Mark Evanier and I did did her her service. Yeah, um, yeah. I Dawes met Butler. You said and I met these. I mean, I, there was a uh, a CIFA had an animation festival, and I was 14. Right after I called Mel Blanc, I brought my tape recorder, and there's June, and there's Dawes, and uh, Bill Scott. It's like the All Star. He did Bullwinkle. He did. Yeah, and he wrote. The yeah. political shows, mm-hmm. and he did Dudley Do Right and mm-hmm. Super Chicken, and June. Can I swear on your show? Is that yes, you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. June was on her hands and knees, frantically looking. I didn't know it was June, and she, I said, did you, "Did you lose something?" She said, "I lost a piece of jewelry that my late husband gave me. It was a pin that says oh shit.'" And I said, "Can I help you look for?" It? She said, "Yeah." And I got on my hands and knees. I said, "My, my name is Bob." She goes, "I'm June Foray," and I went, oh, "I'm ass to ass with Rocky the Flying Squirrel," <laughs> and we became Okie smokes. Yeah, we became really good friends. She also lived in Woodland Hills. And my very first Looney Tunes session, I was doing Tweety next to her granny. And it was just chills, you know? It was just so awesome because she also knew this was my goal, uh-huh. was to do these characters. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I've been very blessed. I've been very, very lucky 
to have met and worked with today, the, the Billy Wests and the, uh, the Jeff Bergmans, um, Jeff Bennett, um, uh, Candy Milo. There are some just brilliant people that I'm in awe watching them next to me at the, at the, at the, at the next mic at how brilliant they are. And I study them. Well, this is great. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm dying to think of a way to end this segment. Something memorable? Yeah. Something yeah. that people will like, get, a, get a grasp on? And, and I can't get my hands on I just can't think of a way to end the segment. We should just say, that's all, folks. No, no think of something work. else. No, no, I And that will do it for this week. Our thanks to Bob Bergen, also to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler and Howard Hoffman. Want to get in touch with me? Easily done. Just uh, email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, one day in five minutes... I lost 1,500 followers. I don't know how that happened. So uh, I'm trying to build it back up. At Ken Levine, you can follow me on Twitter. That'll do it for this week. Talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.